This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. We have this sort of implicit understanding that we should be in control of the future, and yet we look to the future and we realize we're not in control. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I'm Jonathan Master, joined by James Dolezal. James, how are you? Well, Jonathan, it's good to be here. This is one of those episodes where we have the opportunity to talk to each other, to interrogate each other. <laughs> and so uh, at, at this point, you're in charge. You're in the driver's seat. Um, so what do you want to talk about today? I thought we would talk about the topic of fear. Scripture speaks regularly about fear and routinely encourages us and exhorts us uh, not to be afraid. You know, we're a very relevant podcast. Um, we are cutting edge, sometimes even a step ahead. But this time I thought in a, in a context where all of us are either still locked down by the time you hear this podcast, currently we are all locked down. This is maybe the first time that we've ever all been truly socially distanced as we record our podcast. Um, it's, it's because of fear in this case of a virus, but this is starting to um, cascade into perhaps other fears that people have, fears about how to provide. You're not sick, but you're staying home, you're not working, um, bills are mounting up. Fear in general has sort of gripped us in a worldwide pandemic uh, at the time of this recording. And I wanted us to talk about that, in particularly with regard to the Christian's response to it. Is fear wrong for a Christian? Uh, and maybe you can parse your answer if it's not straightforward. Yeah, I think I would need to parse the answer because there are times when the scripture speaks negatively of fear, fear not, as you said, it's a, it's a command that Jesus frequently gives to his disciples. But at the same time, the scripture also tells us that there are things, situations, people whom we ought to fear. Most importantly, of course, the Bible tells us we need to fear God. And although that's sometimes glossed or softened uh, today, people say, well, it doesn't mean fear. It means sort of respect or, or something like that. But th the fact is that in the scriptures, you, you can't get around the fact that we as men, we as humans are meant to fear God. And in fact, it's only in fearing God that we begin to understand wisdom. So that kind of fear is appropriate. It's also appropriate to fear the judgment of God. Uh, Jesus mm. says, don't fear those who can only kill the body but fear the one who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. So those are appropriate objects of fear. Now, what we're not supposed to uh, fear are the things that people can do against us as we're acting in the name of Christ. So those are the kinds of things that Jesus tells his disciples not to be afraid of, not to worry about. And I think that's because that kind of anxiety is driven, I think, by two aspects of our understanding that are in tension with one another. We have this sort of implicit understanding that we should be in control of the future, and yet we look to the future, to what we either think the future will hold or to what we know the future will hold, and we realize we're not in control. 
And that's the kind of anxiety, that anxiety where we're recognizing we're not in control, but yet we sort of think we ought to be, uh, right. that the Lord directs us away from. So, so the answer to your question, and, and it's taking me a while to get there, is, is yes and no. Fear in and of itself is not an inappropriate response. In fact, it is an entirely appropriate response in certain circumstances and to certain things. But in many cases, I think many of the cases where we experience fear or anxiety, it's not appropriate given what we know. Thinking of First Peter five seven, yes, it says cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. And obviously, sources of anxiety or motivations can be many and diverse. Uh, we can be worried about money. We can be worried about our children. We can be worried about our career or our health. These are things that might perplex us and weigh on our heart. We're told in another passage to be anxious for nothing. Maybe we can talk about this type of anxiety or fear for a moment. What is it particularly about this kind of fear? Uh, because this is this seems to be something different than carefulness. I mean, I I eat my broccoli and I look both ways before I cross the street because I don't want to die an untimely death. You know, so I eat the broccoli for health and I look both ways for health. That's a carefulness and a concern and a sort of proper looking after of my well-being. How do we cross the line from proper concern into illicit anxiety? Well, I'm glad you brought up First Peter 5, because I think First Peter 5 really helps us uh, pull this apart a little bit, because you're right. It says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But that's the continuation, actually, of the command that's given in the earlier verse, which is humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your anxiety on him. So what I think that shows us that is vitally important is the connection between a, a kind of pride and the anxiety that's described in First Peter 5. And it gets back to what I was trying to articulate earlier, which is that one of the drivers for our anxiety is a deep sense that we ought to be in control of the future. And then in fact, we are in control, but that then kind of hits head on the reality that we're not. And so right. it's, it's, it's that pride, I think that's at the root of the anxiety in first Peter five. So what's the solution to that? humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God uh, that he may exalt you in due time. And, and Peter's just quoted from the old Testament right before that God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So anxiety there, I think is a symptom of pride. It doesn't feel that way because of course the way anxiety manifests itself is a, a, a sort of a, a helplessness or despair over our situation. But, but, but Peter tells us, no, there's, there's pride at work there in your heart. And, and yet, the other thing I would point out, and this gets to your comment about caution, is that in the very next verse, after identifying this anxiety and pride that's at work in our hearts, it then it, Peter goes on to then say, be of sober spirit and be on the alert because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. So being on the alert, being careful, being watchful, doing the kinds of things that careful, watchful, sober people do is not at all a symptom of anxiety or pride or that kind of fear. It's actually 
it's opposite. That's a that's a great point because often I think superficially they can look similar. Um, yes. Being being um, you know as it says uh, sober sober minded and alert, um, being purposeful and intentional about your well being in one person could be uh, a form of humble responsibility toward God. In the in the case of another person, it could be. Um, that self-mastery um, and that pride. Uh, and I think it's that that actually sets us up for disappointment because when when those things that are beyond our control, whether it's the loss of a job or a virus or or the opposition in that in that context, the opposition of a hostile government mm-hmm. um, against followers of Jesus Christ, these are things that we just simply, it is not within our power to manipulate them or to set them up as we might have preferred. Um, it's if we have the expectation that we can control them, that we are that we are really set up for great anxiety and fear when we discover in the moment that we really don't at all. Well, I think that's exactly right. And so in the midst of the current situation that we're facing, or in the midst of the first century situation that the readers of First Peter were facing, it's appropriate to be careful. It's appropriate to be watchful. But Anxiety it adds another component, which is this, this thought that I am, in fact, in charge of my future, or, or I should be. And you know, another thing that's worth mentioning about 1 Peter 5 is that the antidote is humility, but it's also mm. prayer. And I think that's because right. when you pray in the way that Peter is instructing us to pray, or in the way that Jesus instructs us instructs us to pray, which is to pray for our daily bread and to pray for deliverance from temptation and testing. Uh, When we pray that way, what we are acknowledging at a bare minimum is that the Lord is the one in control of my circumstances. The Lord is the one in control of the future. I'm glad you brought up prayer. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Uh, Clearly that's prayer. And then it says, he delivered me from all my fears. So that, so that this deliverance from fear um, is not something that we're just going to sort of psych ourselves up into, but it's something that's going to be had as we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And we seek um, him in that posture of humility and prayer. Yeah, and I would say that that antidote, that prescription is so different from the prescription we often give to ourselves or to one another. Because what do we do when someone is faced with anxiety? We say, well, you need to, uh, it's, it's actually going to be okay. Yeah, we, we, uh, either, we either wish for better circumstances or plot how we're going to change. Them. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You're, you're not likely to get this disease. It's, it's unlikely that this will happen to you. You need to be confronted with those statistics or something like that. And there's always a place for realism in these kinds of discussions. But the fact of the matter is the Bible's answer is look at your heart and see the ways in which pride has crept in and go to the Lord and ask the Lord. And by asking the Lord, what you're doing is you're saying at the end of the day, these are circumstances that go far beyond my um, ability to, to comprehend and, and certainly far beyond my ability to manipulate. I think another sort of fortifying element, maybe you can speak to this is, is also the place of, the promises of God. 
um, and how and how in the face of yes, real real potential of financial ruin or death, we don't face those adversities in this life without um, promises that transcend them. And it's a real maybe it's a real test of our faith um, when those when, when these earthly goods, which are goods, um, are threatened in some way. Um, maybe you could speak to even the place of the promises that God gives us that are supposed to settle down our hearts in adversity. Well, they're vital. Where where would we be without the promises of God? Uh, these are some of the m- most secure, as as the writer to Hebrews says, anchors for our for our soul. W- what what I would point out again is let's just stay in First Peter five. In First Peter five, what he does is he says these things are going to come upon you. Now, in that case, it's particular circumstances that may not be the circumstances we're facing. But he says these things will will happen. But but then after you've suffered for a little while, and this is this is where he ends. After you've suffered, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And so, mm-hmm. where do we go as we as we come to the end of all this? We say we 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 flee to the Lord. We cling to Him. We ask Him for help. And we, we humble ourselves before him. We take all the necessary and careful measures that the Lord prescribes for us. And then we realize that whatever happens, the Lord will fulfill his promises, which include perfecting and confirming and establishing us. So you're absolutely right. The promises of God are what we cling to in those, in those times, because we know that the the sufferings of this present age, whether they be through uh, uh, persecution or through the circumstances of living in a fallen world, aren't worth even comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. Paul says, "Who can separate us from the love of Christ?" And the the uh, he gives a list in Romans eight of you know potential separators that really can't separate us. And it's not just um, spiritual persecution uh, that he mentions, but he says uh, uh, even of other things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Um, I, I, we could probably throw in COVID-19 on that list as well. Well, you know, I, you're absolutely right. We could throw in any circumstance like that. And, and, what I think is is so striking too about that list is he says neither things that are present right now nor even things that are to come because we can right. get caught up in our own minds where we say well okay I've made it through today the Lord has sustained me today the Lord sustained me yesterday the Lord still loves me today but will he tomorrow and Paul says nothing that comes in the future will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ it's a good word thanks Jonathan Thanks, James. Always good to talk with you. James and I always enjoy talking to one another, but we also love hearing from you. So if you have a chance and you want to drop us a note, let us know what might be helpful for you in the future. We would be glad to listen to that and to interact with you in whatever ways we can. We want to help you. And if you think this podcast would be helpful to someone else, please pass it along to them. Some of you may be able to donate to the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. We could use your support. And you can do that by going to alliancenet.org or placefortruth.org and clicking on the donate button. 
For listening to this podcast, we'd like to give you the opportunity to win a resource that might be helpful. It's called A Small Book for the Anxious Heart by Ed Welsh. And so if you go to placefortruth.org, click on the Theology on the Go link, there will be an opportunity for you there to enter. Give us your information and possibly win A Small Book for the Anxious Heart, Meditations on Fear, Worry, and Trust. As always, thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.